When separating, many spouses and parents want to find easier, less destructive, and less expensive alternatives to family court. For most people, those options are better. In addition, the 2021 changes to the Divorce Act require separating spouses to consider alternatives to court. Many people consider family mediation to resolve their differences after separation. But having heard that mediation is a voluntary process, they also worry that their exes will just ignore the results at mediation. In this episode of the Ontario Family Law Podcast, I will answer the question, is family mediation binding? I'm John Schumann, a certified specialist in family law in Ontario. I'm also a mediator, arbitrator, and collaborative lawyer. This podcast is a companion to my book, Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law, which is available on the iBookstore, Amazon, Kobo, and in fine bookstores. When someone decides to separate from their partner, it is because they want to have less to do with them, not more. The point is to sort out all the necessary issues, such as parenting, support, and property division, and move on, not to keep discussing those things endlessly. So what is needed is a permanent resolution. While a family court's judge's decision is often the final say on matters, that can be a long, nasty, and expensive process. As I explained in episode 60, it can also not be the best route for many people to get what they want in separation or divorce. Mediation and the other ADR options can often lead to better results, more quickly, at less cost, and with much less fighting. Ah. But over and over again, people say to me, mediation sounds great, but is it binding? Because they are worried that their ex will just ignore any result he or she does not like. (laughs) To answer that, it is necessary to explain exactly what mediation is. Mediation is a voluntary process, meaning Separating spouses have to agree both to go to mediation and on who the mediator will be. At mediation, parties meet with a mediator to try to come to a settlement of some or all of the issues arising from their separation. Ah. That meeting can be virtual, over Zoom, or phone, or otherwise. Sometimes the separating spouses don't actually see each other as they meet with the mediator separately, which can be more appropriate in circumstances where having the parties together would just result in fights or in situations where one spouse is trying to use threats or other forms of power over the other spouse to force a certain result. One of the media's responsibilities is to ensure that one spouse does not use coercive means to get a particular result. The idea behind mediation, and what draws most people to it, is that it is a way for the parties to reach a settlement that they have created, rather than having one imposed upon them. In this way, the parties remain in control and try to come up with a solution that is best for everyone. Unlike in court, where a judge who may not understand the family or the situation imposes terms that neither party likes. The role of the mediator is very different from the role of a judge. The mediator's job is to facilitate the discussion, perhaps suggest ideas, and assist the parties in negotiating a deal. While the mediator can suggest ways to settle matters, the mediator does not impose a settlement. The mediator's comments and suggestions are not binding. The parties are always free to say no to what the mediator proposes. So if that settlement that everyone is discussing in a mediation is worse for one of the parties than the parties certain to get in court, then that party can walk away. In fact, a party can walk away from mediation for any reason before the parties have reached an agreement. The goal of mediation is for parties to reach an agreement that contains terms that they all agree on. While a mediator's suggestions are not binding on the parties, the goal of the mediation is for the parties to sign an agreement at the end, and that agreement will be binding. Oh, yeah. In a previous episode, I went over what is necessary to have a binding separation agreement. Check out that episode for the details. But to summarize, a binding separation agreement must be in writing, 
it must be signed by the parties, and those signatures must be witnessed. Oh. In addition, for the family court to hold the parties to the terms of the agreement, both parties must have provided the necessary financial disclosure. They must have both have had independent legal advice on the agreement. The agreement must not violate any of the laws of contract and must be consistent with the guiding principles of the family law statute. So if the parties sign an agreement that fulfills all those requirements at mediation, then they can have a binding agreement. In fact, separation agreements can be filed with the family court so that the court can enforce it like a court order. One of the reasons that people take lawyers with them to family mediation is so that they can make sure that they have a binding agreement before they leave the mediation. Lawyers can make sure that the necessary disclosure is exchanged beforehand. They can provide independent legal advice during the mediation. And they can make sure that the agreement does not violate any laws that would result in a court invalidating the agreement. Parties can then sign the agreement at mediation, and that agreement will then be binding. Why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer? If the lawyers are not there to review the terms and to provide independent legal advice to their clients, then the mediator may create a memorandum of understanding that sets out the terms between the parties. But until the parties meet with their lawyers to review the terms and sign an actual separation agreement, that memorandum of understanding is not binding. Oh. So a party can still walk away from the deal after the mediation, but before the parties sign a proper agreement. Oh. I should also mention that usually mediation is a confidential process. That means that whatever anyone says at mediation stays at mediation, and that the parties cannot use what someone said at the mediation against them later in court or at an arbitration. The purpose of this is to facilitate open discussion and consideration of all the possible options without a party being concerned that if he or she considers something, that will be used against him or her later. Oh. That can really facilitate the negotiations and help reach a settlement. So if one of the parties says that they would agree to something at mediation, but then refuses to sign an agreement, no one can hold that person to what he or she said at the mediation. Oh. The same thing holds true to anything that anyone, a party or a mediator, says at a confidential or closed mediation. Until there is a final, formal, written agreement, nothing at mediation is binding. Ontario also has a process called open mediation. In that form of mediation, the discussions are not confidential. The parties can quote them later to a judge, and the mediator often writes a report for the judge to read if the parties don't settle. This form of mediation is more often used in pairing disputes, where the mediator, who is also a parenting professional, can provide observations about the party's commitment to the best interests of the children, and those observations can replace a more formal and expensive parenting assessment. The fact that what happens at mediation will end up before a judge often prevents parties from being unreasonable and keeps them on their best behavior. It also can mean that the parties will do and say things to impress a judge rather than what they actually believe or what they actually intend to do. However, while the mediator's comments about mediation are binding on the judge and certainly can be the subject of cross-examination if the matter goes to trial, the mediator's comments can be very persuasive in parenting matters. Still, the judge has to base the decision on the evidence presented in court, not on the opinion of a mediator. So even in open mediation, the opinion of the mediator is not binding on the parties. When parties want the opinion of a third party other than a judge to be binding on them, they are thinking of arbitration. If the parties sign an arbitration agreement, for which Ontario law requires that they consult with their lawyer first, then the opinion of the arbitrator will be binding on them, exactly the same as a court order. 
In Ontario, arbitration awards can be automatically converted to court orders subject to an appeal to the court. Like mediation, arbitration is a voluntary process in that both parties have to agree to go to arbitration, and they have to agree on the arbitrator. They also have to decide on the decision-making process that the arbitrator will use. Hmm. Unlike at mediation, even though an arbitration can be placed in the same type of room as a mediation, the role of the arbitrator is not to help the parties reach a settlement. Oh. The role of an arbitrator is to decide the case based on Ontario law and then impose a binding decision just like a judge. Arbitration can be faster, much less expensive, and less adversarial, and the parties get to pick who makes the decision, unlike in court where the parties cannot pick the judge. Ah. But the trade-off for that buying decision is that the parties lose control, creating the terms of the final resolution. Hopefully they pick a judge who gets to know and understand the family better than a family court judge who has many different matters on the docket can. Hmm. There's another option that combines mediation and arbitration. It is called, not surprisingly, mediation arbitration. In that process, the parties sign a mediation arbitration agreement that provides that if the parties cannot reach an agreement on every issue at mediation, the mediator will become an arbitrator and impose a binding decision over all outstanding issues. However, note that the mediation phase of mediation arbitration is still confidential, and what anyone says cannot be used against them later. Even the mediator is not bound by what he or she said in the, if the matter goes to arbitration. During the arbitration phase, the arbitrator must base his or her decision on the evidence presented in arbitration and how Ontario law applies to that evidence. Oh. That can be different than what the arbitrator might suggest and that the parties might agree to at mediation, where their settlement does not have to be based on evidence and that they can agree to anything that is not illegal which gives many more options than the result Ontario law says must be imposed where people cannot agree. Ah. So, if the parties cannot agree at mediation, or if one party walks away from mediation, they are just walking into an arbitration that is conducted by the same person who is doing the mediation, and knows the parties well, even if nothing that happened at mediation can be used at the arbitration. It is a term of the mediation arbitration agreement that a party cannot walk out of mediation and head to court instead of arbitration. So what the mediator says at mediation is not binding. It certainly has some teeth if that mediator will impose a binding decision if the parties cannot agree after hearing the mediator's comments. Hmm. I should mention that collaborative practice is another way to have professionals, including the lawyers, facilitate a settlement like me in mediation. Collaborative practice is always confidential, and it is a basic premise of the collaborative practice that what is said there can never be used at court. The whole process is based on the free and open exchange of ideas to help the parties come up with the best possible settlement for them, so there can be no fear that anything that someone says will be used against them later. Like with mediation, nothing at collaborative practice is binding until the parties sign a proper separation agreement. For more about collaborative practice, check out www.schumanlaw.ca or get a copy of my book, which goes over all the options for resolving matters after separation. Mediation itself is not binding. In the confidential process, people cannot be held to what they say. The mediator or either party can end the process if anyone is acting in bad faith or for any other reason. But if the parties sign a formal separation agreement at mediation or after mediation, that agreement is binding. Arbitration or mediation arbitration are both processes where there can be a binding result that can be imposed on the parties. Whether to allow for a result to be imposed or whether to stay in a process where the parties have to reach an agreement is an important decision that separated spouses have to make. 
getting help with that decision to make sure you do what is best for you and your kids is an excellent reason to get the advice of a good family law lawyer who knows all about family court and all the alternatives to court to make sure you make the right choice. If you need some more general family law guidance or you need to understand Ontario family law matters better so you can make better decisions, if you need to know the best parenting options after separation, or if you need to better understand how finances work after separation or divorce, or if you need some tips for how best to make these difficult types of decisions, get a copy of my book, The Guide to the Basics of Ontario Family Law. You can access it immediately on the iBookstore, on Amazon for the Kindle version, or you can download it for Kobo. Amazon can deliver the paperback version directly to your doorstep. You can also get a lot more Ontario Family Law information on www.shumanlaw.ca. Not only are there are hundreds of pages of family law information and links, but there are links to get my book and links to reach my office to meet with either me or one of my colleagues. Because it's always best to get a lawyer who can give you expert advice that's specific to your situation. In addition to my website, keep up to date on family and children's law issues by liking my Facebook page, following me on Twitter at at Law, and finding me on LinkedIn. Of course, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can get the audio versions of the Ontario Family Law podcast on all major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. They are also available at www.schumanlaw.ca. Thanks for participating in this podcast. We will get together again soon.